Master of None with Clifford Hudson, the podcast where we discover how jack-of-all-trades can still reach the top. It's time to embrace your wide variety of interests and turn down the prevailing pressure to spend all of your time becoming an expert. The greatest lessons emerge from personal discovery, and variety is life's multiplier of opportunity. Now, on to today's conversation. My guest today is Ted Kurgan, a 60-unit sonic drive operator located in Louisiana. Ted and I first met in 1984, and his life was about to change in ways he never could have imagined. Ted and I are going to talk about the chapters in his life and the themes of those chapters, and how they coincide with the chapters of my recent book, Master of None, How a Jack-of-All-Trades Can Still Reach the Top. We're going to discuss themes of teamwork and collaboration, but also harmony, harmony in the workplace and harmony in your personal life. Ted has a unique story, one of young hope and big plans, of broken trust and tragedy. But ultimately, Ted's story is one of trust, harmony, and success. It's my pleasure to share this time with you, with Ted Kurgan. My guest this morning is Ted Kurgan of Lafayette, Louisiana. Ted is originally from the Detroit, Michigan area, and he moved to Louisiana in his 20s to go into business with his brother, Gary. Ted's now a 60-store Sonic drive-in operator, owner-operator, I should say. Ted and I met in the um, mid-1980s, about 1984. I met Ted and Gary Kurgan when we were he was working on new development opportunities for his business. And um, Ted's world was about to change right about then, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Uh, Ted and I are going to talk about several things today, how his life has changed over time and the evolution of his, of his life, evolution of his business, and the themes that have arisen over that time. We are going to talk about teamwork and collaboration today, but I also want to talk to Ted about some of the themes that come out of my book, Master of None, life themes, like when things come, through, come up in a perfect storm, what happens, whether that perfect storm ends up being positive or negative in your life but also about the role that harmony can play, harmony in business, harmony in your life, and how much better things work when that's happening. So let's talk to Ted Kurgan and uh, listen to his story and what he has to, to offer. So, Ted, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, and it's a pleasure to be here. It's a beautiful good. day in South Louisiana, which we couldn't say about a week ago when the hurricanes came in, but uh, it, things are Things are getting back to normal uh, as quickly as possible, so things are good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I know that's an extraordinary uh, set of events when the hurricane does come in, and I hope not only that your business is back up and running well, but that your your people are safe and doing well as well. Thank you. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's very good. Well, Ted, uh, it might be interesting uh, in talking about you know this first chapter of your life. Uh, when you and I first met, and you and and your brother Gary were in business to, together, share with us a little bit about um, that origin and uh, kind of what brought you all into doing business together in your twenties into your thirties. Sure, Cliff. Um, and to kind of outline or describe our relationship between myself and my brother, I really have to go back to the very beginning. 
I was born in 1953, and my brother and I have a sister, a middle sister. My brother is the older, oldest one in our family, and we're all 18 months apart. So we're, you know, very close and very tight knit family. Um, unfortunately, my father passed away from a heart attack the day after I was born, and my mother was left with these three babies that she had to take care of and uh, also, you know, provide for. So what she did was she was a seamstress and worked out of our home. So she basically took in sewing and through that, you know, persevered and, uh, you know, put us through a parochial school education. But what happened was, and I think what you're getting at is we became a very tight knit little family. And uh, so Gary and I always looked out for each other. If, one of us had a problem or got in a fight. The other one was always there. I, I think back to the Boy Scouts uh, when we both joined the Boy Scouts and we would go on camping trips. Uh, and they, the camping trips were always father and son camping trips. Um, and it was always different for Gary and I because we always had our own tent. We didn't have an adult with us. But uh, the, the, the adults that ran the Boy Scouts just – you know, recognized and understood that we just took care of each other. So we really didn't need supervision. Now we were kids, so we sure get, still got into mischief, you know, as you can imagine, but, uh, but that relationship kind of stayed with us all through our lives and through high school. Uh, I was a freshman when Gary was a senior, which uh, was really beneficial to me because I didn't get hazed by the seniors. Uh, yeah. and, and I would actually ride, you know, I'd ride around with Gary and his friends, uh, in high school. And uh, even though he went off to college, uh, we, you know, we were, we just hung together and we were, well, we some, always took care of, of each other. Some of what I hear you, you describing is, uh, um, what became a business partner partnership was, uh, early on, really a, a life partnership. I mean, in many ways, you were partners throughout all these experiences um, and set the stage for later in life. Well, that's true. And um, we became very entrepreneurial. And of course, we didn't know what that word was. And we didn't, you know, recognize it or, or you know, that we didn't put a label on ourselves. But um, my mother reached the point where she really couldn't uh, continue to sew. So she sold our house and looked for franchises to buy. And she would take uh, either myself or my myself and my brother to business meetings with her. And at the time, I guess I was about 14 or 15 years old. Mm. And so I got a really interesting understanding of how business worked, how franchises worked, how, you know, how you could, you know, parlay that into making money. So when I was in high school and, and Gary was in high school, we were already thinking about, you know, ways of getting out and into the world and being entrepreneurs and making money. I, again, we didn't know what entrepreneur was. And uh, we jokingly say uh, we were entrepreneurs uh, for, <laughs> <laughs> for quite some time. I borrow that from my friend, Buddy McLean. But, uh, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we just continued to try different things. And as we as we got older, uh, and uh, although we would drift apart and live in different parts of the country, um, when one of us thought that there was a great opportunity, uh, we would contact the other one and get them involved, and including my sister and uh, and her husband. When when was it? I'm curious that Gary 
reached out to you about specifically about Sonic. What year would that have been that he That was 1976 that? was when he reached out to me. Okay. And he okay. had uh he was a pharmaceutical salesman. Uh, I think he lived in Utah at the time. He had taken a two-week vacation, come back to Michigan, and then he came down through the South uh, and visited some friends of ours that we had met in the motivational company. It's, that's another story. But, um, uh, and these guys had gotten into Sonic and, you know, we're just going to, you know, build, you know, a gazillion stores and own the world. And, uh, and Gary never went back to Utah. He saw the opportunity. And, I, and frankly, Cliff, I didn't really recognize Sonic as a great opportunity. And, and probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in my career was I had had an experience uh, at a Sonic uh, uh, probably a year before Gary got in. And I was on the road, and I think I was in Texas at the time. And uh, I didn't have a good experience. So I didn't mm. think it was a... Uh, Interesting. You know, but but it was that was the most valuable thing that could ever have happened to me because mm -hmm. I realized when I got into Sonic just how important every single, you know, customer experience really was. Now you and Gary were in the Sonic business uh, with other folks. I'm curious um, uh, what, not so much what led to, although I'm, uh, that probably is an interesting story as well. But how your relationship came together and how and when it was that you decided that the two of you were going to be in uh, Sonic ownership and, and operations and development together as the Kurgan brothers. When did, when did that come together? Uh, that was uh, around 1979, and we, uh, we left the group that we had worked for and bought two stores for you know, way too much money. And, uh, you know, but that was the only deal that we could put together. Uh, and we scraped and begged and borrowed and ran credit cards up to get the money to buy these two stores. But what happened was the ownership group that we had worked for prior to that um, started to fall apart. They didn't have really good leadership. And we actually ended up buying out the guys that we had uh, originally come into Sonic to work for. So, um, so we went from two stores to 14 stores you know, basically overnight. Wow. And that, and at the time that was a pretty good sized group in Sonic. Yeah. Well, from a, from an ownership and operations standpoint, that's, that's a going from a minnow to a whale. It's a lot to swallow. <laughs> By the time I um, met you in 84, I'm curious about the, what had developed as the uh, nature of the working relationship between you and Gary. I'm imagining, you know, if you're three years younger, three years plus younger, um, uh, I too, as a younger brother, associate with that um the, the curiosity i have is did you operate uh, as co-equals or were you the junior partner in that and what was what was how would you describe kind of the power sharing relationship between the two of you yeah that's a great question you know, gary was kind of the big picture guy and he was the one that was looking at signing development agreements with sonic which is of course where we met you in 1984 Right. Um, to sign a development agreement. Um, and I was very much the, the junior partner and the nuts and bolts guy. I was the guy that came behind Gary and really made everything work and made sure the stores operated right. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and basically was, I was the guy that was where the rubber met the road. 
Yeah. You know, right, I was the one right. that made sure the customer experience was what it was, what, right. what we promised it would be. Right. And the two of you were the key partners to that point in time, uh, rather than the manner in which your, your business structure evolved over time is my recollection. And part of the reason I mention that and, and look to confirm that is that I think about if you were early 30s and he was mid 30s at the time, right? that the trust and confidence that must have developed between you, the division of labor that you've described, um, uh, that one of you would trust the other to uh, be looking out for both of you and going down a certain path. Um, as he might negotiate one thing or another, turn it over to you, he trusted you then obviously very much for the implementation. Then I think about trust in, in life, but I think about trust in business and the ability to be able to trust your business partners and the, how incredibly important that is. Um, talk for a minute, if you would, uh, about the uh, what happened next, the subject of the book, uh, My Brother's Keeper, and, um, and the extraordinary uh, shift that caused in your life in, the, um, and, and, and in a most fundamental sense. An extraordinary sense of violation of trust that a person can have in life with what what occurred to Gary. Sure. Well, what happened was on uh, November the twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four, Gary was in Mississippi and he was putting together the, a financial package so that we could develop a number of new sonic drive-ins in the New Orleans market. And he called me from Baton Rouge, and he had just put the financial package together, and he was very excited about that. And uh, we lived in a, a small Louisiana town called Crowley, and I lived close to the interstate, so Gary would always stop at my house on the way in, and then he lived kind of on the south side of Crowley at a golf course. Um, but he called me and he was very excited and he was going to stop by. He would be at my house in an hour. And uh, I sat up and waited for him and eventually fell asleep on the couch. And uh, he never stopped by. And that was the last time I ever talked to my brother. And he, mm. uh, he, he disappeared literally off the face of the earth at that point. Mm. And, mm. uh, the next morning, my sister-in-law called me uh, and very much in a panic because Gary would never stay out of town, apparently, without calling her first. And he had not called the night before, and she knew something was wrong. And uh, I immediately went to the sheriff's department. I was, we were you know, friends with the sheriff. That was something that we were taught in Sonic to you know, really be part of the community, um, school board and sheriff's department, city, those things. And um, we s basically started a search for Gary that, that took 30 years to conclude, and we still never found him, but we, uh, he was murdered on the night of uh, November the 28th. And, uh, you know, and he, and he, it was just a very surreal and kind of terrifying part of my life because when I woke up on the November 29th, my entire world completely changed. I mean, it was like walking through a time portal and everything, everything, everything in life was completely different. Uh, so, uh, so that relationship that I had with Gary 
immediately went away. And I was left with a trying to find out what happened to him, you know, B working with the police and trying to motivate them to, you know, keep this, uh, as top of mind awareness because they have, you know, on any given day, all kinds of things happening and other things that are distracting them from my case, uh, C running the sonic drive-ins and pulling my team together and because Gary was the, very much the leader of our group. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was a nuts and bolts guy and they would call me for help, but you know, Gary was a big vision guy and then all of a sudden he was gone. So, you know, so from a collaboration point, it very much changed from my relationship with Gary to my relationship with the people that worked in our organization, uh, which I was really fortunate that we had really good people. And, and frankly, um, other Sonic franchisees like, uh, you know, Larry Tucker and Buddy McLean and Ken Watford um, that, uh, you know, that I that And it was interesting because I looked to them for, uh, advice and direction. And I, in looking back at what happened, I always was amazed that no one tried to take advantage of the situation. Mm. You know, mm. you know, I was literally crippled because half of my organization had just disappeared. Right. And, and none of the people that I reached out to ever tried to become partners right. or, you know, step into that role. And I, I was always amazed that, uh, um, of the integrity of the Sonic folks that, uh, the way they did that. Well, that's, 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 uh, extraordinary compliment to, to those folks then and now, but let's, uh, uh, talk for a moment about that. I would do want to move to the uh, second period of your business and, uh, life and sure. uh, the themes that are involved then. Um, at the same time, I have to say, you know, given the fact that you and I have known each other a period of time, you know, I do re uh, recall the same. I recall, of course, that that Gary was suddenly missing, and um, and none of us necessarily knew what had happened. Although it was clear some mischief, obviously, was very much, uh, very much involved. So here you are at a point where you you know tragically you've lost your brother and and there are at that moment really no answers, but as you pointed out, you're also hit a period of time where um, I don't know what size of operation you had at that point, but if it was still the you know roughly 15 stores or so, right? It was. You're, then you're you're probably talking about something something on the order of uh, uh, three to four hundred employees across those. Uh, group of stores and perhaps even a little more. So the reliance of all these people looking to you, as you said, he had been your leader. Uh, I think of that in part of you being, as I mentioned earlier, perhaps a little bit of a junior partner. So the real, the real sudden closure of a period of time in your life and your business career that had been one of you know cl closeness, and uh, certainly as I mentioned earlier, uh, one of trust and and uh, interdependence and. Uh, folks listening to this, I mentioned earlier, this is the subject of a book, My Brother's Keeper, and one that I think uh, um, you would uh, find quite interesting. But Ted makes it reference then to the, you know, what began happening next in terms of that, that work relationship and moving from the purest form of, of partnership that it had uh, to one of, uh, you know, you, you might initially think uh, a solo operator. But 
Ted, your business did evolve into uh, uh, over time into something of a, uh, if I can use the term, and you, you'll use another term if it's more appropriate, something of a confederation, not not such the intense partnership, but uh, overlapping relationships with people that were perhaps friends as well, but became your business partners. A very different must have been a very different kind of chemistry, and uh, certainly a different kind of foundation and roots about it than you had had. Um, previously, so how did you were mentioning no one no one tempted to you know step in and take over the business, but how did that relationship how did those relationships evolve over time well it, you know it was interesting because first real experience we had with that was uh with Ken Watford. We sent some managers to a store that he was running uh I think Troy Smith was a, a, actually a partner in that store, the Troy Smith being the founder of Sonic in Huntsville, uh, Texas. And, um, you know, and, and Ken kind of gave us the, you know, uh, Ken had been in the business longer. He had started, you know, several years before, uh, I had, or Gary had, so he was kind of the guy, you know, he, and he had worked, he knew Troy Smith, he worked with him. So that was, uh, uh, really an eye-opening experience as to how a a longer-term Sonic guy really ran his business. And then what happened was we worked with the other franchisees and and, uh, started to, we formed our own purchasing co-op. This was before Sonic had a purchasing co-op. We started our own uh, advertising co-op, which was uh, literally, we printed out coupons on a, uh, uh, on a machine at the office and then stood at the street corners in Baton Rouge of uh, a, a guy that we were trying to get to join the Baton Rouge co-op. And we stopped cars and passed out these coupons. And of course, they took the coupons and went right to the Sonic. And we all ran over to the Sonic and helped him through his lunch run. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, about the middle of the run, lunch run, he kind of stuck his head up. He was in the kitchen cooking hamburgers and trying to handle all this big business volume he had. And he said, okay, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm joining. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, I mean, it was very much a one-on-one-on-one yeah, very uh, much collaboration and partnership. So and right. that's really how we grew that. Right, right. a jack of all trades? Does this make you feel like you're less than your peers who are on the hunt to become a quote expert? Clifford Hudson, CEO of fast food chain Sonic for 23 years, imparts life and business lessons in his new book titled Master of None, How a Jack of All Trades Can Still Reach the Top. If you'd like to learn Clifford's nine rules of thumb to finding success in life as a jack of all trades, just visit cliffordhudson.com. There you'll be able to download the first chapter of this new book for free. That's cliffordhudson.com for the first chapter of Master of None today. Now, back to the interview. Over time, in other words, I don't know, but I have envisioned that 
um, as you began expanding, and particularly to new markets, and I'm thinking particularly of Florida, that you you must have moved into a different kind of partnership. In other words, commonality amongst your obligations, uh, real estate obligations, financial obligations. In a way, what I'm what I'm since may have occurred is some attempt to uh, replace the business or the personal relationships you had as well as the business with your your brother Gary. Uh, but perhaps ones that were on a more of an arm's length basis, even still, as I described a moment ago, of different chemistry and different kind of roots, obviously different roots about it. And I ask this in part because it strikes me then a few years later, I mean, really a number of years later, 15 years later, uh, you you really kind of hit a perfect storm. A lot of businesses did around 0203. We went in, the country went into a recession. Uh, you had had a lot of expansion of your business without uh, uh, as much support, frankly, particularly from a national marketing standpoint, as would have been helpful. And things kind of, uh, in, in essence, you or your group kind of hit the wall at what I, what I would describe as a perfect storm, but one at the moment was more storm than perfect. So it'd be interesting to see how, in retrospect, you think about that that relation, those relationships. In other words, had you met that kind of challenge with your brother Gary, the two of you would have had a, a weave and an underpinning to your relationship that you would have marched through the storm, I suspect. But on the other hand, when you have relationship with people at some distance and you have perhaps differing interests, then surviving a perfect storm is a different issue. Any, any, any perspective on that at this point in your life? Yeah, at, at the point that you're describing, so we're talking about maybe 1996 through 2002 or three. We were, um, we were, had embarked on a huge expansion and we were opening a new building and I'm, and some of these were rebuilds, so I'm not saying they're all new drive-ins, but we were opening a new building every 45 days for 60 months. So for five years, we opened a new building every 45 days Mm. and the, uh, you know, the relationship and the collaboration kind of moved from the, the relationship Gary and I had to you know, other franchisees and we kind of brought, uh, you know, especially Larry Tucker, we kind of brought him into the, into the fold and we were trying to grow with, uh, you know, with, with him and inside of our organization. Um, but you know, what happened was at the time that we did that, we did not have the benefit of national marketing, which we ended up, we did have eventually through your leadership, uh, several years later. And we would open these stores in Florida and it was not a core market and people would come and we'd open with great volume. And uh, a few weeks later, we would just kind of flatten out. And, uh, and I literally remember going door to door, knocking on doors and asking people about their experience. And they said, oh yeah, Sonic's great, man. We went there and yeah, foot long hot dog. It was fabulous. And there were Oh man, it was a roller skater. That was great. And then we would say, well, have you been back? And their answer was no. And we would say, why not? And they would say, just didn't think about it. Yeah. So, and so that perspective is top of mind uh, awareness and the importance of national advertising. But so, but through that experience, we had brought in, uh, uh, had done that with other franchisees that uh and so it was it was still kind of a confederacy uh, if you will 
because we had, I had my group of stores. Uh, the other franchisee, Larry Tucker, had his group of stores in Baton Rouge. And then we kind of had this confederacy where we were building and expanding stores together um, and, uh, and growing at a, a terrific rate. And as you say, uh, you know, a combination of the perfect storm with both of us growing, us growing into a market where there was no top of mind awareness for the brand. Uh, and uh, a recession that hit, um, it became, uh, you know, very challenging to continue our business. And and at that point, we we brought in some outside people that helped us uh, basically reorganize. And and, uh, and of course, you helped us with that too. Well, and I recall that uh, period well. And it's a uh... Um, I, I think about from my own standpoint, different chapters, this thing occurs or a large, uh, a number of series of, or a series of events come together that make things very challenging for a period of time. You work through it. The question is, you know, how do you come out of it? Um, you, at the time that you worked out of that in 0203, it might have felt like, um, you know, gee, what's the future going to be here? But uh, in fact, it strikes me uh, that um, though this second chapter of your your business career, anyway, um, may have been more of a, a, conf- a confederacy or a confederation, as you referred to, and I referred to earlier. So the contrast, in some ways, with the working relationship with your brother, where I suspect a, the degree of trust was was pretty complete, and um, then moving into a period of time where, uh, as the perfect storm comes along or as some people might say is the shit hits the fan um <laughs> you know, the uh the the those relationships are tested and maybe tested in such a way that they don't survive the storm uh i observe you then moving to your next phase of your career in which you you know, were perhaps relying on those those confederations and those uh, arms length somewhat relationships differently and you seemed then in the last 15 years to begin moving to a period of time of more organically grown from within, building gradually and steadily amongst your own partners, bringing in a new senior person, not someone that you would keep at a distance, but someone that would come into the fold and be, and become, uh, uh, whether economically or legally, a different issue, but it functionally become a partner to you and your group. And to see those roots then develop in such a way that it strikes me as one of having um, real sustainability and success. Uh, as you moved into that, is this something that um, you developed somewhat intuitively and maybe by gut instinct over time? Or was there a conscious decision that said, I'm going to do this different in the future? I think it was, it really became a gut instinct. And what happened, um, and you've got a really, you know, a, a very good and broad perspective of what happened in our, in my world anyway. But uh, what happened was we, I had a friend in Lafayette, his name is Gary Wilkerson, that uh, worked for another food company uh, that, uh, I mean, literally owned thousands of restaurants. It was the, uh, uh, the chart house group. And um, and Gary and I had known each other for years, and we had gone on a vacation together to Europe. One of the TV stations did a promo, and they took some of their big advertisers. 
And, you know, and, and basically I just, while we were there, I, you know, I always tell the Sonic story because the Sonic story is, you know, very interesting. It's how Troy Smith started the Sonic, how there's a, each Sonic is a collaboration and a partnership with the, with a managing partner, usually in the store. Uh, so that the, uh, the person running the store is a partner and not an employee and a very different relationship than most franchisees have. And, uh, and I told the story and while we were on vacation and when we came back, Gary, uh, came into my office and said, uh, you know, I, I love the people I work for, but you know, my last name isn't their last name. So I'm really limited. And from what you've told me in the Sonic world, um, it is basically unlimited. And, uh, and that's what people do is they work together. And, you know, as, as time has gone on and we've talked to other people that have had senior leadership positions in Sonic and, you know, for whatever reason have left, you know, and we'll run into them at, uh, you know, at industry events or whatever. They always say the same thing. They always say the culture in Sonic is just so unique and you just don't get that anywhere else. You don't get the, the structure or the, the, the way that people reach out to each other to help each other. You know, you just don't get that in other organizations. Right. Uh, and, right. and Frank and Cliff, I think back to when you were, uh, working on going public and we had formed a franchisee uh, association. And at the time I was, I think I was president of the, of our Sonic association. And I went and interviewed other associations for other organizations, whether it was McDonald's and Taco Bell and KFC. And, the, and it was just interesting, the relationship between those franchisors and their franchisees was so different than Sonic that it was, um, it, it was just unrelatable. Um, mm. So, mm. so the, the, the Sonic experience and the way people work together in Sonic and the way our organization came together and, and we really did move from working with other franchisees to kind of growing our own partners inside of our own organization. I never heard the story about you going to visit with other franchise associations. Some maybe offline. I'll have to get more details about that. Sure. That's a, that's a little bit of joke, but it'll, it would be interesting to, to oh, hear, it was. Hear, it was hear, hear uh, about it, that. So it was interesting, and Cliff, it was in in some cases, it was really terrifying to see what some mm. franchisors were doing to their franchisees. But well, and that might it, be a, yeah. a subject for another call. But well, it'd be hmm. yeah, it'd be quite it would be quite interesting to hear, it was hear that because uh, I I observe it now with some of the business consulting I'm do that I do, and I'm I'm kind of stunned by it because it's a uh, often poor relationship. But but that also leads me to think about. Um, in 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 uh, my book, Master of None, one of the things I talk about is uh, I bring it up in the context of music, but the importance of harmony to good music, and um, and uh, obviously the the parallel, the application, the analogy to the other human endeavors other than just uh, the act of singing, and the fact that uh, as you're talking about the evolution of the business when Sonic went public and so on, I think about the period we had to that 93, 94, 95 um, license renegotiation. And my own assessment is it was only after that, 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 that the Sonic system as a system with the franchisor seemed to start learning how to sing together. You might say how to harmonize 
and the effect, of course, was a very positive one. But if I turn that to your own circumstance, um, uh, I, I may uh, not be reading this correctly. I'd be very interested in hearing your thoughts on this very concept of harmony. It does seem that in the last 15 years, in this third and current chapter of your business career and life career, perhaps more chapters in life, but regardless, the current one, that they're within the organization in terms of the level of integration of the efforts, alignment of the team, and the results, that there does seem to be a greater degree of harmony uh, within the organization and, and perhaps harmony in your personal life as well. But is that an is that a applicable analogy here? And is it more so true at this point, uh, at least versus that second chapter of your business yeah. career? Oh yeah, I think that's a uh, uh, that's a really good understanding of uh, what's going on right now. Um, we've been able to uh, create an organization that people think it's a big deal to be part of our group. Um, we, you know, we pride ourselves, and I don't want to be egotistical on this, but we always try to say the line starts behind us. So, you know, we want to be number one. We want to be the best at what we do. We want to win the Sonic games every year. We want to, you know, have the best KPIs um, in the system. We want to get all the awards. Uh, we say that we collect those um, those crystal mints that you guys uh, gave out when you were the CEO. And we do, we have a bunch of them around here. Um, and we've been able to uh, to internally create an organization that that people really rely on each other and it's uh uh and it's really refreshing and uh and it also is a very parallel to our partners uh family lives and my family life i mean i have a son that's 19 years old and uh is himself very entrepreneurial and uh, is going to college and taking uh, hotel and restaurant management right now and plans on getting into the business. And of course, I, I have emphasized the Malcolm Gladwell, you know, 10,000 hours to, right. you know, to become proficient right. in what you do. Right. And I think that's uh, probably a, a really good thing. Just real quickly for the listener's benefit, when Ted talks about KPIs, these are key performance indicators that would indicate uh, on an objective basis and a third-party assessment, how well you're operating your your business and what your customers uh, think about your business as they have the as they trade with you. And I, other the other reference you made, of course, Ted was to the Sonic Games, which historically has been an annual event um, uh, that also assesses uh, initially and to the greatest degree customer assessment of the quality of the operations and the quality of experience. So when an operator like you, Ted, uh, wins the Sonic games, it's a great statement, a great endorsement from the system and from the customers of the brand indicating uh, the great job you're doing. So uh, my suspicion is that during this period of time, don't know this offhand because I haven't, don't have any specific recollection of it, but in this, third chapter of this greater degree of harmony and harmony enhances all tunes. Uh, um, it, it strikes me, you probably have moved to a period of more award-winning performance 
than you would have been experiencing 20 and 30 years ago. Don't know that offhand, but thoughts about that? Oh, very much so. Uh, very much so. We've, uh, uh, you know, been able to to create a very cohesive and uh, interconnected relationship with our partners. Um, and if and it's very much if one store wins an award, they feel like everyone wins the award. Well, that's um, a great team dynamic. Right well, there. well, it is. And, you know, it's interesting. So what happens is kind of the nuts and bolts of how these things work is, um, you know, we the, the way the Sonic Games works, of course, is there's mystery shops. For the listeners, that's uh, um, people that go out and shop the store that actually work for a third-party company and tell us how we're doing, you know, and very candidly. And, you know, you have to score very high on those mystery shops. And then there's something called a knowledge bowl where the team gets together of each store and they get quizzed in kind of a Jeopardy type uh, situation. But what happens with us is the, the stores that didn't make it into the top, you know, 500 or 50 or whatever it is, uh, the other stores go and uh, help the manager and run the store while, these, while their crew is out doing knowledge bowls and, and practicing for that. So, you know, it's really great because it's very much that if one person wins the award, everybody wins the award. Um, that's a great life story as well. What a great uh, takeaway from um, the manner in which you're running your business, but the way in which you're leading your life with these people. You know, this morning we talked about um, these business career being in chapters of one, two, and three in the current third chapter. It strikes me with the um, nature of the organization you're building now and the sustainability and the level of success that you have, you're also setting up pretty well. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, your son. You, it strikes me that you're setting it up pretty well for your son to be able to come into the business, and and perhaps uh, uh, starting a fourth chapter of your business career that may be the most enjoyable and the most rewarding of all. I would I would hope and expect. Oh yeah, it really is. It's um, you know it's so fun to get to a point where you've you know built this and you have a a solid organization you know the stores are going to open they're going to open well and then to be able to share that with the people that you love and not to be corny but you know if you go if i take this all back to the very beginning uh, uh you know of this discussion and the beginning of sonic uh, what you found was the people that the way the sonic grew was folks got into it and they would find someone that they be corny they loved whether it was their family member or a friend and they would grab them and say look this is a great opportunity you need to try this and you know folks would be like me like man i don't want to sell hamburgers and uh and then they look at the dividend checks and that's what my brother did to me he, he started sending me copies of his uh his dividend checks he that's was a good way to do it as a partner's right. and uh boy that got my attention yeah right. i was up in detroit and it was freezing and the muffler was falling off my car and I was uh, underneath the car trying to trying to put the muffler back on with a coat hanger. And uh, yeah, this, uh, the, the idea that I could eat free three times a day, that was a big, big deal. Yeah, right, but, right. but what would happen was kind of taking where we are now and going back to the beginning and the way the, the sonic world is you grow by sharing the opportunity with other people. 
And that's so true today. And that's the way that we grow today is we share the opportunity with people that, uh, and frankly, the hard part is that for people to really understand what the great opportunity is, you know, that they, right. you know, they're right. skeptical. They, they right. just don't think it's a real deal. Right. Um, right. But that's how we grow. So a couple of other questions that I would like to run by you thinking about this transition from the second chapter to your third chapter of your business career. Are there, are there key things that you can point to that you manage, you know, fundamentally differently? And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to suggest what those might be. I don't, but it could be method of communication, could be method of sharing information, could be, you know, whether things are at arm's length or not, not arm's length. It could also be, I have to wonder if the, the experience uh, re- regarding Gary's murder didn't cause you to move to a period of time where, you know, perhaps underlined, I don't know, uh, perhaps you had um, less uh, trust in some people, uh, even those you're doing business with. And and whether this circum- current circumstance isn't, isn't more of a, um, a circumstance where you've moved to a greater degree of trust in, in engaging people in your business. Is any of that, is any of that applicable? Well, I think that um, the thing that comes to mind is that time heals all wounds and maybe time also builds trust with the people you work with uh, along the same lines. Um, I, uh, you know, we've, we've formed a relationship with the folks that we work with, um, that I was actually looking for a text. I couldn't find it. That one of my supervisors sent me, uh, that was just thanking us for how we took care of our people during the hurricane. And, you know, and the, and the first thing that we did was not worry about the Sonics and not worry about the stores, but we worried about the managers and getting their homes uh, livable and getting their homes with generators. And, you know, so that, you know, so the, the, you have to understand where the foundation really needs to be. And the foundation really needs to be with the, the key core people and you need to take care of them. So the, the building is kind of a, of the Sonic is, is kind of secondary to, you know, to what we, what we try to do in the relationship that we have with our folks. Uh, that is something I think you've you've done um, um, to an exceptional level at this point, not just with the sustainability and the strength of your organization, but the financial success and the customer feedback. It all indicates uh, a uh, uh, an organization being led very well and one being managed very well. So, um, Ted, anything else that you um, uh, might want to offer today before we wind up our time here together? You know, Cliff, I just, um, you know, you always want to go back to, you know, what the real basics are. And, and I think that the way that we become successful is we show other people how to become successful. And, you know, we're, we try to be servant leaders uh, in our organizations and in our private lives. And, uh, we, we understand that when we, you know, help pull somebody up that, uh, that that's what raises us up. So it is a collaboration of the, uh, 
nth degree. Well, that's a great uh, that's a great life lesson. It obviously is a great business lesson as well, but one that those who take time to learn it are glad when they finally do, and those who implement it successfully, um, I think, uh, end up being on paths such as yours with the. Um, uh, the harmony in your life personally and professionally and the consequences, positive consequences that you've enjoyed. So, Ted, I want to say uh, thank you for uh, joining us today. It it strikes me that the story you tell and the values you exhibit uh, not only uh, honor your business associates, they very much honor your family, and they honor your brother Gary. So thank you for sharing your story here today and Uh, I look forward to visiting with you along the way. Well, Cliff, it's really been an honor, and uh, I I appreciate your friendship and your leadership, and and, uh, you're a big part of why we are where we are today. I thank you. Feelings mutual, and I look forward to visiting further. Thank you, Ted. Listening to Master of None with Clifford Hudson. If you enjoyed today's conversation, you can visit cliffordhudson.com to receive the first chapter of Clifford's new book, Master of None, right now. And one more thing before you go would you leave a review of this podcast and let us know what you learned in today's conversation? And remember, the greatest lessons emerge from personal discovery, and variety is life's multiplier of opportunity. Mm-hmm.